This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibly listed at indeed.com slash plain. Just go to indeed.com slash plain right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Canva. Better presentations are possible. You just need Canva presentations. With it, you can easily and quickly make stunning slides. All you have to do is start with one of Canva's professionally designed templates or generate slides with AI. Then add graphs, charts, and more from the massive media library, and you're done. It's that simple. I always think that the best use of AI in work is it does the thing that you naturally aren't very good at. And personally, one thing I'm really terrible at is making visual presentations. I'm not very visually inclined. I'm not good at picking out you know, photographs or abstract conceptual images to go with ideas I'm trying to put forward in presentations. So it's kind of nice to have an AI-powered tool that can help me make these presentations in literally seconds. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Today, we're going to talk about Vladimir Putin's failure in Ukraine so far and how Ukraine's military has shocked the world in the first three weeks of this war. Now, make no mistake, Russia poses an extraordinary threat to all Ukrainians. But Putin had a plan to seize Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, in the first two days of Russia's invasion. He's clearly failed. Russia had a plan on paper to quickly conquer Ukraine, easily incorporated into an expanding Russian empire. That's not happening. Putin thought he could roll his tanks down Ukrainian roads and the people of Ukraine would essentially give up, roll over, let it happen. Nope. So to break down five key reasons why Ukraine is held up so well against Russia, I asked some military experts to help me make it all simple. My first guest is Rob Lee, a leading expert in Russian military affairs at the Foreign Policy Research Institute, and Max Bergman, a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress. Now, before we start, I want to provide a quick overview of where this war stands right now. Russia is intensifying its aerial assault on Ukraine and its capital, demolishing the city of Kharkiv in the Northeast and firing missiles into the capital of Kyiv, which Putin is still trying to siege. Russian forces are advancing relatively quickly in the South as well, and they have responded to early setbacks by engaging in the horrifying bombing of residential areas, knocking out homes, stores, and hospitals. But it is all coming at a terrible price for Russia as well. According to U.S. estimates, 10% of Russia's military assets have been destroyed, lost, or abandoned. That is an astonishing number. According to U.S. estimates, up to 4,000 or 5,000 Russian service members are now dead, including several major generals. That means in two weeks, Russia has lost almost as many people as the U.S. military lost in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. There are now widespread reports of morale problems in the Russian military, coordination problems, and communication problems. 
Ukraine has shocked the world. It is putting up a fight almost nobody expected, not Putin, certainly, but also not even American military experts. Russia's military is not just a little bit bigger than Ukraine. It has three times more armored vehicles, four times more ground forces, five times more tanks, and 10 times more aircraft. But for now, David is still holding up against Goliath. The rest of this episode is about why. I'm Derek Thompson. This is Plain English. This episode is brought to you by Canva. Here's a writing tip for work. Don't just write, use Canva Docs. It has Magic Write, a built-in AI text generator powered by OpenAI to help you create almost anything from meeting agendas to job descriptions, marketing plans, proposals, and more. Canva is here to help you get it done. If you've used AI for work, for writing, for coming up with bullet points for a podcast, a meeting, you know that AI works best when you're specific, when you tell AI exactly what you want and then tell it again and again, help me do this, help me talk like this kind of person. The more specific you can be, the more helpful you'll find it is. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibly listed at indeed.com slash plain. Just go to indeed.com slash plain right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. There are five reasons why the Ukrainian army has shocked Russia and the world so far. Five key reasons why Putin's war has gotten bogged down so quickly. The first, according to military analyst Rob Lee, is that Putin's initial goal in this war was catastrophically misguided. Basically, the, the political goals they, they're, they're trying to achieve were just very difficult to achieve through military force. This is a topic we've touched on before in this podcast. Putin's initial goal was to invade and conquer Ukraine, to annex all of Ukraine, to use Ukraine as the first stepping stone in a new project 
to build a new Russian empire. But to do that, you kind of need Ukraine to want to be a part of the new Russian empire. And Ukraine definitely doesn't want that. So just a very, I think, um, a very fundamental point is just basically, if you invade a country and the people don't want you to be there, right, on, on a popular level, there's really not that much you can do. Right? Unless you, unless you want to, you know, if you want to exterminate people, if you want to move them out of there forcibly, which I don't think Russia's, you know, overall goal is to do that. Um, but ultimately, Ukraine, it's clear, even in the kind of Russian-speaking areas, right, even the south, with these cities they've taken in Kherson, uh, in Lutopol, and other areas, we're seeing huge protests. And, and it's, you know, very quickly, and we're seeing sustained protests, right, on a daily basis. Um, there are clearly lots of people in these areas who don't want to be part of Russia. They're Russian-speaking, and they say, you know, this is, we don't want this. Um, and ultimately, you know, Zelensky, he's, he's not giving. He's not backing down. He's not giving in. And ultimately, Ukrainians have rallied around that. And so as long as that's the case, right, as long as the will to fight is with Ukraine, it makes it very difficult for Russia. Because clearly they, they were hoping that either there would be no resistance, uh, that Ukraine, Ukraine's military was so ineffective they could move the key very quickly. And also, I think I think they underestimated Zelensky. They thought he'd probably surrender quickly. He wouldn't be able to you know, stand up against us. Uh, and that Ukrainians, you know, would be if not welcoming a Russian invasion, they wouldn't be necessarily uh, you know, that resisting that much. So reason number one for why this war has gone awry is that the overall strategy was hopeless from the start. Putin aimed to conquer a country that would roll over for him, led by a comedian president he thought would run and hide. And instead, Putin got the fight of his life. That leads to the second reason why Russia has struggled more than anticipated. An unrealistic political objective led to an early strategy failure. The way they started this war was a very kind of odd way. I expected they were going to use a lot of force right away, a lot of fires, more artillery, multiple, all this kind of stuff. And, and they're going to focus on maximally defeating the Ukrainian military in the first day or two, right? And they, and they have the capabilities to do this, and much greater than they did. But they, they didn't do that. Right? So they're very restrained initially. The, the Air Force was very restrained initially. Typically, Rob says, he'd expect a war like this to begin very, very differently. Russia would blitz Ukraine, use missiles to knock out its air defense systems. In the 2020 war between Azerbaijan and Armenia, he told me, Azerbaijan knocked out about half of Armenia's air defense and air force, not in the first four days, but in the first 40 minutes. That's not happening here. Instead, it appears to deliberately didn't use as much force as possible with the purpose of you know, not trying to kill too many Ukrainians so that you can have some kind of long-term political solution that'd be easier to achieve. And that was obviously based on very unrealistic, kind of optimistic um, kind of goals of what, what would happen, the amount of resistance they'd face. They didn't think they needed this. Several years ago, Putin took Crimea, a peninsula in the south of Ukraine, basically without a fight. He apparently thought he could do the same thing here. So initially, he held back his missiles and sent the ground troops instead, as if they could just roll through the country right into the capital city. A part of it, too, is just the first day or two, the, the focus was we're going to get to Kiev as fast as possible. Um, we have a optimistic view of the amount of resistance we're going to face. And so instead of killing too many Ukrainian civilians or soldiers, and I, I think that was one of the weird things. They, they deliberately tried to not um, inflict too many casualties on the Ukrainian military because I think they wanted to take Zelensky, have him surrender to the country. And they thought it would be more uh, it'd be easier to have a long term political solution, right? Maybe regime change or something else if he didn't kill that many Ukrainians than if he did. This strategy is changing now. Russian missiles are falling on civilians, neighborhoods, and hospitals. Putin is shifting, as one past guest of this podcast said, from the Crimea model, roll into town without objection and just take over the place, toward the Chechnya model, 
bombed the local population into submission. But why did Russia have such a disastrous initial strategy anyway? This leads us to Rob's third point. Russian military leaders apparently convinced themselves that much of Ukraine actually wanted to be conquered. They got drunk on their own disinformation. They certainly didn't expect you'd see large numbers of civilians taking up arms. They certainly didn't expect these cities would kind of barricade themselves and prepare to kind of fight block by block. And, and I, I think they, they certainly didn't expect that you know, Zelensky would basically say, I'm going to stay here. I'm not leaving. You're going to have to come and kill me to, to end this war, right? That's at least what he's signaling. I don't think there's any way that the Russia expected that. Um, maybe that's them kind of buying into their, their own kind of propaganda about this. Maybe it's the intelligence services, you know, making mistakes, failing. Or maybe it's just President Putin. You know, he, he's secluded in his own kind of kind of bubble. You know, how, how much is he, how much real information is he getting? Is he only kind of, you know, taking information that confirms his bias? It, it's hard to say. But ultimately, that underpins the problem for Russia. Whereas as, in this kind of war, as long as Ukrainians resist, right? There's no way Russia can really achieve a satisfactory end of this, this war. That's because you can't occupy a country that doesn't want to be occupied unless you're prepared to engage in permanent urban warfare against the local population. And that's the road Russia seems to be on. Even in cities that have technically fallen to the Russian military, we're seeing street protests almost every day. That's why more people are saying, Putin has no path to victory here. Only off-ramps to bad outcomes, terrible outcomes, and catastrophic ones. To review, we've named three reasons why Putin's war has failed so far. First, the original political objective was incredibly unrealistic. Second, that led to a failed initial strategy. And third, both the political objective and the initial strategy were fed by an information failure, a disinformation failure, the blowback of propaganda. Putin thought Ukrainians would give up, and instead they're killing thousands of his troops every week. The fourth key, Rob says, is a shocking lack of discipline and planning among the Russian troops, which strongly suggests that until about two weeks ago, most of this military had no idea they were invading Ukraine. One is, it's, it's pretty clear a lot of people didn't know um, exactly, you know, weren't aware of this, this war was gonna happen. I mean, it was a surprise. Morale is a problem. Um, it also appears that I think also even higher ranking level guys, it, it doesn't seem as though the planning was done that well. And so if you know you're going to war, right, you're going to take the extra steps to make sure you're ready. If it's if it's just a training exercise, right, you might just, you know, pencil it in and do whatever and not be that ready. And so it, it's pretty clear that not just junior soldiers, though that's having an effect on morale and guys giving up, but even higher ranking guys that the co their coordination issues um, that should have been done by, you know, like staff officers, right? That clearly wasn't done either, and that's another effect of just different units are kind of fighting their own war, not clear it's a really cohesive kind of uh, fight. If your military doesn't know what's going on, from the junior soldiers to the generals, it probably means they're not fighting in a very coherent way. And lo and behold, Russia's military is not fighting in a very coherent way. One of the big problems we've seen, and this is the real thing in the first week or so, was a really kind of disjointed effort, right? They weren't, they weren't fighting in a joint manner, it wasn't very well combined arms. Um, units were kind of doing their own things. It didn't appear as though that they were taking, you know, basic you know, security precautions. So when a, when a battalion moves, you have an advanced guard, right? So you can't have the entire battalion get, you know, ambushed together. They weren't necessarily doing that. You had kind of small elements moving on their own. Um, supply convoys 
were not prepared for an environment where they might have you know insurgency kind of happening. Right? They're just completely not ready for that. And so, you know, Russia achieved surprise, um, not that effectively against Ukraine, but instead against their own soldiers who clearly didn't know this war was happening. One way Rob Lee sees this ongoing disorganization is in the mass deployment of tank units. The units they deployed, they deployed a lot of tank units, more than they needed to do so. And so tank units are great for fighting other enemy armor, but they're very heavy in terms of logistics, fuel, spare parts, all that kind of support side is very difficult. And so we've seen a lot of, you know, Russian um, armored vehicles, tanks abandoned on the side of the roads, clearly because they weren't, you know, prepared to to logistically support them. Poor planning leads to abandoned equipment. Abandoned equipment leads to frustrated soldiers. And frustration leads to fading morale. So this is our fourth explanation for Russia's surprisingly poor performance. By playing things close to the vest, Putin might have thought he was hoodwinking Ukraine, tricking Ukraine but he wound up confusing his own troops instead. The fifth factor isn't about Russia. It's about America. We have spent a billion dollars in the past year alone on surging tangible, practical, uh, usable small arms and other munitions that are getting directly to the Ukrainian forces. That's Max Bergman. He's a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress, where he studies Europe, Russia, and security affairs. This is going to uh, provide lots of uh, Javelin missiles that are anti-tank weapons. It's going to provide uh, anti-air weaponry for uh, when helicopters and planes are flying low to the ground. But then also just things like body armor and meals ready to eat so that soldiers have calories and can fight. These sort of basic things that are very practical, which are urgent in any sort of military conflict, are the things that we are right now bending backwards to, to get to, uh, to Ukraine. Eight years ago, in 2014, Max was serving in the State Department under Obama when there was a revolution in Ukraine. That revolution sparked Russia's invasion of Crimea in southern Ukraine. America felt like it had to respond. So in 2014, when Russia invaded Ukraine, we have to remember the U.S. basically had no security relationship with, with Ukraine. It was, it was like $2 million a year for like peacekeeping. And the Ukrainian military was basically this old Soviet military just sort of branched off. So they had to rely on Russian cell phones, for instance, on the front lines to coordinate their movements, which meant that the Russian forces that they were up against in 2014 could pinpoint where they were uh, and then fire artillery and destroy Ukrainian positions. So over the past eight years, the U.S. has stepped up its support of the Ukrainian military. Every year, we've sent hundreds of millions of dollars to Ukraine in arms and resources, which has beefed up the Ukrainian military. And that's what we're seeing now. There's a force that is far different than what Vladimir Putin faced when he, uh, when he fought Ukraine in 2014 and 2015 when he sent in Russian tanks. This is a different military and one that has been very focused on what the fight it was going to be at hand, fighting Russia, and got eight years of U.S. military support in terms of training and then in terms of equipment. It sounds to me like Putin thought he was invading the Ukraine of 2014. But then he invaded a Ukraine that had, in the last seven, eight years, received more than a billion dollars worth of military equipment, more than a billion dollars worth of resources from the United States military. And he was surprised with, by the resistance that he faced. Uh, do you think that's a major element of Ukrainians, quote unquote, surprising success in these early weeks? Look, I, I, I think it has to be 
seen as a significant factor and why Russia has stumbled here, that this is just a different military. And part of the reason that it's a different military is through the support that the United States and others have provided Ukraine over the last eight years in working with Ukraine to reform its military, the training that's been provided, uh, and then the, the, the basic systems to how to control and move forces. There's, that was a lot of focus of, of initial U.S. efforts to give Ukraine situa- situational awareness of a battlefield. Uh, and now we're pr- surging in weapons that are really giving Ukraine the ability to engage uh, to engage Russian forces with uh, with advanced weaponry. That this isn't they're not using the kind of Soviet era RPGs. They're using javelin missiles and laws, which are another European form of the same thing. Uh, and that is that are, are proving themselves on the battlefield as being incredibly impactful. So there it is, your five-part explanation for Ukraine's shocking performance so far in this war. One, Putin's piss-poor political objective. Two, his failed initial salvo. Three, awful early information. Four, the discombobulation of the Russian military. And five, this eight-year story of the U.S. reinforcing the Ukrainian military. But there's one last thing I want to shout out, and it might be the single most important factor of all. It's the bravery of Ukrainians. When we look at the effectiveness of U.S. security systems, you know, it has to start with you, the Ukrainians and their bravery and their willingness to stand on the battlefield, to risk their lives, to stand up for their country. And that's the X factor that no one knew before the war um, wh- whether that would be there. And Vladimir Putin clearly uh, underestimated. And I think no one could actually predict whether that was g- going to pan out. But the Ukrainians have stood and fought. They've stood and uh, fought uh, with incredible bravery. And that's making the United States over the last eight years look good uh, for what it's done in providing security assistance to them. So I think it, it basically, in some ways, it starts and ends with the bravery of the Ukrainian people. On this last point, Rob Lee agrees. Ukrainians are showing that they're, they're willing to fight, that they're willing to, um, you know, they're not willing to have their sovereignty uh, infringed more. They're rallying together. You know, one of the overall arguments from, from Putin is that Ukraine is in a real country, right? It's just kind of this artificial construct. Well, Ukrainians certainly don't believe that because they're fighting and dying for this construct they think is, you know, something serious and it's worth, you know, giving their life for. So they're really, I mean, again, one of the big takeaways of this war is that Ukraine has demonstrated a remarkable resilience um, and a remarkable ability to fight and, and, and adaptivity and creativity. All those things are extremely impressive. And, you know, it's it, it, that, that is the one, again, the reason Russia is, is not winning this war is because Ukrainians don't want them to. And that, that's the overall reason. And that's why it's going to be, be hard for Russia to actually achieve anything long term. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.